This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, cases of coronavirus in the U.S. reach 13 million as shoppers surge into stores for Black Friday deals. Breaking news, the CDC sets an emergency meeting Tuesday to vote on who will get a new COVID vaccine first. The country hits a new record for infections despite warnings to scale back Thanksgiving celebrations. Hospitalizations hit new highs too, with at least 50 Americans now dying every hour. Plus the backlash tonight. Were the results of one vaccine trial too good to be true? Dashing for deals from New York to Miami. Some Americans ignore COVID to line up for savings. But will the pandemic put a damper on this year's shopping season? Refusing entry? President Trump falsely says Joe Biden can only enter the White House by proving he won. Is the president changing his tune one day after suggesting he would accept the Electoral College's decision? No proof of fraud. A federal court deals another blow to the president's attempts to overturn his loss. The scathing ruling tonight from a judge the president appointed. Plus, the former head of U.S. election security talks to CBS News, his first interview since being fired by Mr. Trump. Nuclear mastermind murdered. Iran's top nuclear scientist gunned down in an ambush straight out of a spy thriller. Was he assassinated by a U.S. ally for developing nuclear weapons? Tonight, Iran threatens to retaliate. Untested, as coronavirus spreads, why are millions of Americans still unable to get screened close to home? An equal play. CBS's Steve Hartman is on the road with a toy story that led to fair treatment under this year's Christmas tree. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Nora is off. I'm Margaret Brennan. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news. The CDC has called an emergency meeting on Tuesday, so an advisory committee can vote on which Americans should get a corona vaccine first if one is approved by the FDA next month. The last-minute meeting comes as the U.S. shatters another record tonight. More than 13 million Americans have now been infected by the virus, as a surge of new cases nationwide shows no signs of slowing down. What is traditionally known as Black Friday, with shoppers lining up for sales across the country, is looking bleak for many tonight. More than 90,000 people are now hospitalized with COVID-19, with about 50 Americans now dying every hour. And as we come on the air tonight, L.A. County is announcing strict new lockdowns for the 10 million people who live there, shutting down most public and private gatherings and limiting how many people can enter businesses starting Monday. 
We have a lot of new reporting for you and your family tonight. And our team of correspondents is standing by to cover it all. CBS's Adriana Diaz is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Chicago. Good evening. Good evening, Margaret. On that LA News, the details are this. All public and private gatherings are now banned with anyone outside your household. There are two exceptions, religious services and protests, which are protected under the Constitution. They are turning up the dial to save lives and try to relieve a healthcare system under stress. Tonight, more Americans than ever are in hospitals with COVID. Thanksgiving Day, hospitalizations nationwide hit a record high of more than 90,000 people. 32 states saw increases in new daily COVID cases, with Pennsylvania, Arkansas, and Massachusetts breaking records. A dip in positivity rates in some states could be the result of a surge in pre-holiday testing, says Dr. Emily Landon of the University of Chicago Medical Center. A lot of people flooded into testing programs to get tested for before they traveled for Thanksgiving. But they do bring the positivity rates down by flooding the testing market with a number of low-risk individuals. The CDC now says that the real total number of U.S. cases is likely eight times higher than previously thought due to underreporting, false negatives, and asymptomatic carriers who were never tested. Even star quarterback Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens tested positive yesterday. He's the latest on a team grappling with an outbreak that punted their Thanksgiving matchup against the Steelers to next week testing the NFL's COVID protocols. And on the vaccine front, tonight the CDC committee focused on distributing vaccines announced that a vote at an emergency meeting on Tuesday would lay out who gets the vaccine first. We are almost full or full kind of every day. And hospitals already on the brink are bracing for a new rush, given long lines on Black Friday and after 6.5 million people flew this holiday week. What's done is done in terms of our Thanksgiving Day gatherings. Uh, If you learn that someone from your Thanksgiving gathering has COVID or came down with COVID or is sick, then you definitely want to quarantine. There are so many cases right now that you will probably not hear from a contact tracer. In fact, Dr. Landon says that here at University of Chicago Medicine, they're telling their healthcare workers that if they had Thanksgiving with more than five people from outside their household, they need to stay home for a week, then test before coming back to work. Margaret. Adriana Diaz in Chicago. A day after saying he would accept the Electoral College results, tonight President Trump is falsely setting a new bar for Joe Biden to enter the White House, even after a federal judge Mr. Trump appointed delivered a stinging rebuke of his latest legal challenge. CBS's Ben Tracy is at the White House tonight. Ben. Margaret, with just 54 days left here at the White House, President Trump seems increasingly angry. Not only will he not admit that he lost, he's now demanding that President-elect Joe Biden prove that he won. Before hitting the golf course for the second day in a row, President Trump was already teed off, bizarrely declaring that Joe Biden can only enter the White House as president if he can prove that his ridiculous 80 million votes were not fraudulently or illegally obtained. Twitter immediately flagged the tweet because there is no evidence of widespread fraud. I'm the president of the United States. Don't ever talk to the president that way. During the president's combative Thanksgiving news conference, he again refused to concede, warning the Electoral College not to certify Mr. Biden the winner. Well, if they do, they made a mistake. 
because this election was a fraud. But today, the president's campaign was hit with another stinging legal defeat in one of its last attempts to overturn Biden's win in Pennsylvania. In a scathing ruling, a Trump-appointed federal judge says calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here. The campaign plans to appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, even as the Trump administration's transition to President-elect Biden is well underway. Thanksgiving has always been a special time for the Biden family. Mr. Biden, who is spending the holiday weekend at his Delaware beach house, is expected to receive his first presidential daily intelligence briefing Monday. Certainly I will. Certainly I will. And you know that. While President Trump says he will leave the White House on January 20th if he isn't declared the winner, he won't say if he will attend Mr. Biden's inauguration. I mean, I know the answer. I, I'll be honest, I know the answer, but I just don't want to say it yet. President Trump plans to campaign in Georgia next weekend for two Republicans running in Senate runoff races there. But the president has sent some mixed messages because he's called his own loss in Georgia fraudulent. He tried to clean that up a bit today on Twitter, reminding his followers not to boycott that runoff election. Margaret. Ben Tracy at the White House. Thank you. The former head of the nation's cyber and election security agency is rejecting claims of foreign interference in this month's vote. Christopher Krebs, who was fired by President Trump after the election, calls the allegations, quote, farcical. Scott Pelley sat down with Krebs for 60 minutes, his first interview since being forced out. Let me ask for your reaction to some of the vote fraud that the president and his team have been alleging. Votes tabulated in foreign countries. So oh, all votes in the United States of America are counted in the United States of America. I don't, I don't understand this claim. All votes in the United States of America are counted in the United States of America, period. Voting machines corrupted by mysterious actors in Venezuela. So, again, there's no evidence that any machine that I'm aware of has been manipulated by a foreign power, period. Communist money from China and Cuba used to influence the election. Look, I, I think these we can go on and on with all the farcical claims that uh, alleging uh, interference in the 2020 election. But the proof is in the ballots. The recounts are consistent with the initial count. And to me, that's further evidence. That's confirmation that the systems used in the 2020 election performed as expected. And the American people should have 100 percent confidence in their vote. You can see Scott Pelley's full interview with Christopher Krebs Sunday on 60 Minutes. Tonight, Iran is vowing revenge and accusing Israel of playing a role in an ambush that left a prominent scientist dead. The mastermind behind Iran's nuclear program was gunned down in an apparent assassination today. No one is claiming responsibility. CBS's MTS Tayyip reports. The bloody aftermath of a brazen assassination. Iran's top nuclear scientist, Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, killed in broad daylight while traveling near the capital, Tehran. Iran's defense minister said the car carrying the scientist was shot at, then a truck bomb exploded nearby. Fakhrizadeh was celebrated at home, while Iran's enemies allege he led a military nuclear program in the early 2000s. Iran's outraged foreign minister Javad Zarif tweeted the attack was an act of state terror and saying there are serious indications of Israeli involvement. And while he offered no evidence, 
Israel has long been suspected in the assassinations of other Iranian nuclear scientists. The Israeli government has yet to respond. But in April 2018, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu mentioned Fakhrizadeh in a news conference accusing Iran of lying about its nuclear ambitions. Remember that name, Fakhrizadeh. Whoever killed the scientist, it's likely to escalate tensions between Tehran and Washington. Earlier this month, President Trump apparently asked military aides about possible options against Iran's nuclear program, but is said to have decided against it at the time. The concern now is this situation could escalate, with the Iranian leadership vowing to retaliate. In Time, CBS News, London. Now to the holiday shopping season getting underway tonight. The pandemic has made this Black Friday unlike any other, with a surge of shopping from home while millions of -of out-of-work Americans are struggling to pay bills. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. This year, Black Friday looks different. It's great because it's not very crowded. Uh, A lot of people are not here. With COVID-19 cases on the rise, retailers aren't encouraging those packed stores of the past. But that isn't stopping some people from spending. We're expecting another record-setting year for holiday sales. How is that possible? Increasing consumer confidence. Uh, Unemployment rate is getting lower each month. Consumer spending remains strong, buoyed by record high savings amounts. With the projected 35 to 40 percent of sales online, it seems many shoppers will skip the stores entirely. Still, the merry sales forecast is tempered by millions who are struggling financially due to the pandemic, like 27-year-old Jessica Mendez. She says she's down to her last $40 and worries about making Christmas special for her boys. So different this year, so Santa's struggling. But with a touch of magic from the Christmas tree project. You got a Christmas tree. They got a surprise delivery. What is that? Are you still excited for this holiday? Does it still feel joyful given the circumstances you're in? It does. We received love by getting that tree, you know. That's a wonderful blessing and we're all going to be together as a family. That's what Christmas is about. The Salvation Army told CBS News it expects to help about 155% more people with Christmas costs this year if the resources are available. But the charity says it could see up to a 50% decline in donations due to the pandemic. Margaret. Nikki Batiste, thank you. Across the country tonight, mobile labs are being dispatched to parts of rural America that still don't have COVID testing sites. These so-called testing deserts have seen higher rates of COVID deaths as the virus is spread undetected. Here's CBS's Mark Strassman. Lean your head back just a tad. There you go. Lisa Wright wanted a COVID test. Without this mobile testing lab, the 70-year-old retired nurse would have to drive an hour to get one. I want to know whether, you know, I have it or not. Set your mind at ease. Yes. Roughly 13,000 people live in Sumter County, the poorest pocket of Alabama. They learn to do without. But Marcus Campbell, a county commissioner here, drew the line at COVID testing. We were a testing desert, and people would always ask when they heard about testing going on in other areas, why not in Sumter County? According to research by Johns Hopkins, communities of color often have less access to COVID testing. In Alabama, majority black counties tend to have fewer tests available than majority white counties. 
there are similar trends in Oregon, Delaware, New Mexico, and South Dakota in predominantly Hispanic and indigenous American counties. I lost two cousins, and it was heartbreaking to me. We buried two family members on the same day. Did it motivate you to get testing to folks who need it? Absolutely. Campbell coordinated with Watley Health Services to set up drive through testing in West Alabama. Since March, more than 4,000 people have been tested. 10% tested positive. It is rewarding to know that they can get it done. Make sure you continue to wear your mask. These mobile labs test two to three times a week in West Alabama. A testing desert, no more. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Sumter County, Alabama. Tonight, a convicted felon with anti-government beliefs is in custody after he was found with a loaded firearm and a bulletproof vest. Pepo Herdell was arrested at a train station in Boston and charged with illegally carrying a loaded pistol. L also allegedly obtained chemicals used to make explosives. He had been under surveillance. Archbishop Wilton Gregory of Washington, D.C. will make history Saturday when Pope Francis formally elevates him to cardinal, the first African-American to hold that rank. Gregory has been a leader in calling for a crackdown on clergy guilty of sexual abuse. A player on Vanderbilt University's women's soccer team is bringing her kicking game to the gridiron this weekend. Sarah Fuller will be in a football uniform and ready to kick against Missouri tomorrow. No woman has ever played in an SEC football game. Look for the message, play like a girl, on her helmet. Tonight, a major item is being checked off a little girl's wish list after a toy maker followed her marching orders. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. It's already the best Christmas ever for seven-year-old Vivian Lord of Little Rock, Arkansas. Look at this. But why such glee? So excited. Over plastic toy soldiers. To understand, you have to go back to the summer of 2019. I'm coming in for another shot. It was during one of her brother's air raids that Vivian was struck. Struck by the fact that her army men were all just that. Men. I noticed that there was no girl army men. No girls. They don't make them. My interview from last year. And were you disappointed when you found out there weren't any? I don't know why anybody has not thought of that. So Vivian wrote a letter that read in part, Please, can you make army girls that look like women? She sent copies to several army men manufacturers, including Jeff Immel, owner of BMC Toys in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I've never gotten a letter from a, a child like that before, but every now and then somebody asks, do you have any female toy soldiers? The answer has always been no, although Jeff told me it was on a list of potential future projects. He even had concept drawings. They were doing sketches, but they were busy making boy arguments. Vivian just couldn't understand the injustice. And when poor Jeff was faced with those puppy dog eyes, so he surrendered. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. I'm going to do it. So Vivian put this to the top she of put the list. It, yeah, she put it to the top of the list easily. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly after receiving Vivian's letter, Jeff enlisted the first woman into the vintage plastic military. Today, there are 22 figures in all. And this holiday, they will be taking up positions under Christmas trees across the country. And that makes me super happy. <laughs> I would play with them 
every day. Every day. A decisive victory in the battle for equality. Steve Hartman on the road in Little Rock, Arkansas. How cute is that? Sunday on Face the Nation, I'll talk to White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Margaret Brennan. Nora will be back Monday, and I'll see you Sunday morning. Good night. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts.